Welcome to the Creative Percussion Podcast. My name is Justin Mason, and I'm your host. Today's guest is James Ryan. And as the first creative percussion artist, it only made sense that James was the first creative percussion podcast guest. In this first episode, we talk about James' introduction to creative percussion how he got started drumming, and who he works with today. If you're unfamiliar with Creative Percussion, go to creativepercussion.net and check out some of the products that they have to offer. So without any further ado, episode one of the Creative Percussion podcast is underway. All right. As I said in the intro, this is episode one of the Creative Percussion Podcast. I'm here with my guest, Mr. James Ryan. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. So uh, this is, of course, the Creative Percussion Podcast. So my first question uh, is going to be, what is your favorite creative percussion product? The Jazz Light Twist Rods. Okay. That's... I'm on my second pair of those, and it's not because they didn't last. It's just that I, that's my go-to for the venues. Venues for the places I play, those are perfect, mm-hmm. and that's that's hands down my favorite. So, um, who or what really got you into? Made you want to play drums? Kiss. Okay, I hear that a lot. It, it was Kiss. My dad had uh, we had Destroyer, Love Gun, and uh, Double Platinum. But oddly enough, I wanted to be uh, Paul, Paul Stanley was my favorite. But uh, Kiss is what got me into just recognizing what you know music and what it would do. But then it was it, I have to say it was Tommy Lee seeing the. Uh, those early videos, and then once Wild Side came out and seen this spinning uh, drum set, that was it. That was it. Right, yeah. And uh, I, f- I follow uh, the Newsboys drummer, uh, Duncan Phillips, I think is his name, and he has kind of copied that. He does the the spinning oh, does he? riser and everything. Yeah. It's I know the Newsboys, but I haven't, I haven't seen much of them. Right. So, you started playing at what age? Third grade. I think it's like okay. 12. Okay. Uh, and did you, did you immediately start bands with friends in school, or did you just kind of play in your basement, or how did that work out for you? Uh, I started, it wasn't until I didn't get, get my first drum kit, Till my eighth grade graduation present from my dad and uh but i was living parents divorced so i was uh didn't get to play it all the time it was just on weekends so i'd be playing on the pillows at you know while i was at my mom's house but then when i come over to visit dad then it was uh you know get to play on the real deal and i he actually hooked up my first band with me and my best friend and with three three guys that he worked with so that was technically our first band we never did play out but uh that was during our uh senior year junior and senior years and uh that's i guess that would be the very first band i'm not even for i think i know what it was but first band that played out i not even really sure what what one that would have been, but it wasn't. I didn't really do a whole lot of the garage 
just playing in garage bands. I mean, I would play, but as in never really had a bunch of bands per se until after graduation and, uh, and then started, I, we kind of went in to more, it was somewhat covers, but that first band that actually, uh, I would consider the first, my first real band, we were half covers and then kind of half originals. So we were big into the, like, uh, we were playing the stuff that we listened to all the time. So we had no idea that you needed, well, that the crowd would prefer, you know, we didn't know what a bar crowd was. We were playing our Tesla, our armored saint, our, yeah. our Ozzy, you know, the stuff, but it was like, we, we were, I mean, we just played exactly what we wanted. Didn't matter. And I think that band might've gigged out twice. We, we played constantly all the time in the guitar player's house, <laughs> but we, we never really did do a lot of gigging out. And I would say my first big was my original metal band, Soul Mine was the first, you know, that's, I mean, that's all we, we I think we played like a total of three or four original or, uh, covers during that time, but we were full on just uh, metal and writing our own stuff. Yeah, that always, sometimes it benefits you and sometimes it doesn't. Um, because that gives you, like for the band that I'm currently in, we, we play maybe four or five covers ourselves and the rest is original. When you go out and play bars, hey, some people just want to hear the covers. Yeah. But when you go out and, you know, you play venues, that's when people want to actually hear your originals. So... There's a benefit to both. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I just did for whatever reason, I didn't have much luck in the cover band. I mean, there was cover bands here and there, but they spent, spent all of our time practicing and you know, it was like almost 80, 90% practice. And then the rest, you might get a gig or whatever. And, but, but it wasn't till Foreman soul mine and doing the original scene is when we basically that's what I cut my teeth on performing wise. And then I had to, after about 10, 15 years of that playing original stuff, then it turned into, uh, I basically had to learn the whole cover band scene. I mean, I went straight from doing, you know, playing venues that cover bands don't play because the venues we played in the bars, they were big on original and it was all metal and stuff. And honestly, I didn't even really play much around home with the metal band because everything was, you know, we had to travel. Right. But now it's all covers and haven't done much original stuff in a long time. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, uh, even around here in, in Alabama, that's one of the biggest things is, um, you know, so many bars want, hey, we got to get people in. we got to get butts in seats. So what can you play a four-hour set of that's going to get people in here? So it, it, it's kind of a, kind of a catch-22 in a sense. So I, I assume that um, 29 Junction is a cover band then. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the formation of 29 Junction and, and just kind of what you guys are working on right now. Right now, the formation was kind of actually by accident because I hit it. The band came, was formed originally of an offshoot of the, of another original band, which still, it still exists. We have, uh, it was called Dirty Henry and I joined it kind of by accident because I asked them about promo pictures. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm a photographer on, on outside of my normal everyday job. And, and, that, and right after I hit them up for some band photos, I knew two of the guys from years ago from uh, playing uh from where I'm at and 
they hit me back up and said, well, actually our drummer uh, just left. So we don't really, you know, can't have a picture without the drummer. So then I in inquired, well, what are you looking for then? And so with, long story short, I ended up coming over and we jammed. They were playing a lot of, you know, a big variety of stuff. Everything from Beatles to Blackberry Smoke to the Cars to, you know, and it was the type of music that I would have, you know, that would have wanted to play. And it was a lot of it was new to me as in performing it. And, but that was, we considered that the rock band. Well, around here where I'm at right now, a lot of the big stuff is kind of acoustic, more mellow, and it's wineries. So they kind of had this acoustic thing going. And so it just naturally, just about everyone in the band, at one point it was just, it was almost the same people, but just two different names. And, uh, and then here for the last year or so, well, COVID kind of, you know, kicked that, you know, to the side, you know, with everyone. But we just had our first gig back in well over six months. I don't even remember the last gig it was, but it was sometime early, you know, mid last year. And uh, that's kind of our, uh, that's our go-to band right now when we're able to play. We have different schedules. Everyone's getting, you know, busy and stuff. So that's the it's kind of how that got formed and where that's at. And we, we play everything from, you know, a lot of fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties. There's hardly anything in there. That's like a standard in it's regular bar band stuff now. And, uh, we've all kind of done those, you know, you know whatever bar band needs to play. So right. we stand out around here because, We'll play the Buddy Holly that people forgot the Elvis, you know, <laughs> forgot, but we'll throw in, you know, Eddie Rabbit, you know, on the countryside. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we don't do hard, there's very little current country. There's two country songs that we do that I would consider current, but I honestly couldn't tell you <clears throat> how current it is. I just, I know the song and, uh, but nothing that's like, I don't think it's anything on CMT right now. And uh, so we just, we kind of, you know, everyone's kind of done their own thing. So we, my nine is just more to play stuff that we would like to play that hardly, you know, anyone else does and goes over great. I mean, everyone, everyone loves it. We get compliments on our set list, you know, and uh, I mean, no offense to the other bands that are playing more of the traditional stuff, but it's like, we just like to play, you know, wouldn't say obscure, but the other hits that people forgot, you know, forgot about. Yeah. I saw a video of uh, you guys playing Santeria. Yeah. And that's one that, that nobody, very few people play. I was in a, really? I was in a cover band called Trilogy <laughs> and uh, we played it. And, but around here, Nobody else plays that, and that's why we played it. You know, like you said, just to stand out. And we'll even play our guitar player. Uh, we'll we'll do some of your, I guess, more of your standard stuff. Uh, but we'll play it. He'll pull out his banjo. So okay. in our set, you'll hear uh, "Wish You Were Here." Yeah, with the banjo. We'll do Pink Floyd with the banjo. And we'll even, I'll even change up my parts to even be less drumming than what, you know, it actually would have had, you know, originally just to be completely different. We do a really cool, different version of uh, Creep by Radiohead and, uh, and then some, a couple, you know, there's a couple tunes that, you know, do have uh, banjo in it that will do, but we're known to throw you know, everyone a curve and you know and play your non-traditional songs with a banjo so that's awesome yeah just just another way to kind of set yourself apart uh from everybody else around you because especially in this day and age you have to you have to do something different right. when you've got every country song is the same it feels like every rock song is the same yep. you gotta do something different so 
how do you incorporate, since this is the Creative Percussion Podcast, how do you incorporate creative percussion products into your drum set and what creative percussion products do you incorporate into your drum set? Oh, crap. I just by going off off the website just last night, I was looking, I'm like, you know, I forgot how many I have. I'm somewhere around, I'm at 30 plus of Kevin's products. And there's, I mean, and some things I may only use for one, just like once, but I'll, I'll hear it. And then I'll, if I don't already have it, I'll look at, you know, I have a habit of looking at Kevin's site and constantly adding and taking stuff out of my cart. <laughs> Same here. And I try to buy, you know, when I do buy, of course, you know, here when we weren't gigging, I wasn't buying as much because the gig money wasn't coming in it, like everyone else. But, uh, I mean, there's, we did a Sugar race song. I forget. We haven't done it in a while. But his little hex stack that'll mount on it right on the, uh, on the snare drum. Mm-hmm. Had so many products. I forget the name. I mean, a lot of times I'll post it, and Kevin will have to get on there and comment <laughs> what it is. Um, there's, there's so much. I mean, I've used. Uh, I mean the the jazz, you know, the jazz light rods. You know, there was there were months that I went by that I didn't even pick up my sticks because I just used Kevin's twist rods, and they. I mean they last. I just, I mean, I've played some of the other stuff and, and would only use them for a few songs and, you know, my other settings, they wouldn't last. And Kevin's, I think that I shared a picture. I think it was a, after two years, I think what my light rods, it took two years before I had to finally buy a second pair to replace them. And they were still usable. I just finally, it's like, well, you know, I'll go ahead and get me another pair. And, but as shakers, there's times where I've done the just the cajon and percussion. So like his base, his baseball and his um, mm-hmm. golf ball shakers. I've used those, the jingles on the, with the strap for the foot. I've used those, the jingles on the, the stick on the cajon. I've used those. I mean, with 29, we've went through all, I've went through all different versions of you know if it's literally just percussion just shakers and and uh oh the the i think i ended up using the the gyro on the on the snare the metal uh i think it's his metal gyro <clears throat> i've got that i love that i use that for another video that uh chris not sure on some of these guys' last names. Jajornis, uh, I, I want, follow his stuff religiously. And one of his, uh, he just put out a video during uh, the pandemic that he recorded a bunch, invited a bunch of drummers from all over the states and world, literally, and sent us little clips. And I, that's all I used on, for my part. I just used Kevin's, you know, it was just great percussion stuff. So I didn't try to, you know, try to do something a little different and just be simple on the raking that, I mean, but that's what I heard in the track Chris sent, you know, and uh, so a lot of that's, I mean, I just, I, there's so much stuff. I mean, his, his hi-hat jingles was pretty much a standard, you know, on my set. And of course, the tacos. I've got you know the tacos aren't only good for the snare, but they're great for the toms as well, because I only use uh, a four piece, and that's pretty much my standard nowadays. So it's like I don't have you know I'll clip a taco on on the rack and the floor, and as well as the uh, snare drum and those things. That would probably be my tie, or no, I take that back because I his his bass drum beaters. His core cameras were great for my rock. Or the, when I was playing the rock stuff, loved the core cameras. But now, the only once I got the marshmallow beaters, they haven't left because they give they give the right amount of uh, uh, just oomph without 
half of, where you don't hear the strike of the uh, beater to the head. And that's, I just, I'm big into uh, listening to the old, older uh, or early drummers, you know, and I've like discovered the, you know, the techniques and sound of like, you know, Ringo and I'm big in here currently, I'm big into listening to all the 50s, 60s, the Motown, just the, the recordings that there's, there's no fake sounds on these recordings. So it's where you get to actually hear the drums. And uh, so I, in my head, I'm just trying to emulate what they did back in the day. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to use too. I actually, one of my first, one of the first packages that I got had uh, one of the discontinued beaters, the Beehive beater. And uh, that beater has not left my kit since I got it back in August last year. So I can, I can attest to the beaters and, and all the products uh, that he has to offer. So, uh, when Kevin and I started talking about this podcast, you know, I was, I told him, you know, hey, I of course want to have creative percussion artists on, but you know, who would you like for me to talk to? And he, he gave me your name because he told me that you were the first creative percussion artist. So how did that, do you remember how that conversation happened? Why you approached Kevin or, you know, just, just how that went about? I think the first time, I think I, I'm not, it was, there was some drum forum that I was in or a Facebook page. And originally I think I contacted him about, cause I found out he refurbished speed King pedals. And I, at the time I was looking, I've got a collection of old pedals, but of course they're all gummed up and, and, and I think that's originally how someone commented on him to check out Kevin. And then we talked a short time, but then I got to looking at his beaters. And I, I think the first time I just, I sent him a message and the next thing you know, he's like, give me a call. And I remember talking to him and I told him what I was looking for and what I wanted and what I didn't want. And I first said actually was the skateboard wheels. And so I think that was the very, that might've been the first, I know that was the first beaters that I purchased. And, but then the more he started putting out product and then the more our set lists were changing and stuff, you know, got the core cameras, told him, I said that first time using his uh, skateboard beaters, man, it burnt the heck out of my shins. By the third set, I was just like, oh my God. God, because I mean, they were just so, you know, there's so much there to those beaters. And I actually had to switch them out because I wasn't used to that. I mean, the ones that I were playing with just standard, uh, just the standard beaters off whatever pedal, you know, drum workshop pedal or whatever I had. But the skateboard beaters had that, uh, when you're not playing with mics or anything in a bar, you know, you need, you know, you need some oomph to your kick. And right. But it had been a while since I'd been plenty, you know, actually gigging out too. But um, but I used those uh, skateboard beaters for a while, and then and then got the uh, got the core cameras, and and then it ended up turning into the marshmallow. So now it's the the core cameras and the marshmallow because I don't have to play as loud as I did back in the metal band days. But I believe yeah, in that. That helps out a lot too. Yeah. So, because at first I tend, you know, the adrenaline's going and yeah, you're, you know, stomping, you know, I used to be known more as a stumper, you know, than playing, you know, the pedal. So, but of course that was metal. That was back in the metal days. We didn't have, you know, uh, microphones and stuff. We weren't miking, you know, I was lucky if the sound man that we were playing, you know, if he had kick and snare, let alone, two kick mics, you know, and, and then even Tom. So I, I was more accustomed to just, it was full fledged acoustic drums and kicking the crap out of those pedals. But I believe that was the first that's, I don't remember what page it was on, but I was looking for someone 
trying to find you know something about speed king pedals and then i found his page and and then that's how it's i believe that's how it started i just i got on there and you know and we actually talked over the phone talked beaters and uh and i think it says i think it was 2018 is when i when i got on there with him I didn't realize at the time, I mean, he'd corrected, I, he said I was one of the first, I'm like, I know there was others, but he, he said, no, he said, from what it, I was the first from, that didn't, you know, come from Rich Sticks and stuff, so I was like, the, I guess, one of the first total new people that hadn't heard of him, so, but I appreciated him <laughs> mentioning my name to be the first. Yeah, I did too. Uh, you know, he and I were talking about this and, you know, his, your name came up and, and a couple of others names came up and he said, well, for sure, James has to be the first episode. So, um, so you've been playing drums since you said third grade, you've had a drum set since eighth grade. So with your experience and with your, with your knowledge of, you know, just how long you've been playing, what is some advice that you would give younger players or anyone who just wants to start playing drums uh, right now, especially in, you know, the state that we're in right now where there's not as many, you know, gigs out there. There's, there's not as many live shows. What could somebody do to keep themselves inspired with no live gigs being there? First, I would say try to find music videos, not the YouTube. Uh, of course, I, I came up, I grew up on MTV. So, and I think what that helped me is, is I was able to put, watch the video and listen to the song and be able to tell when, when the drummer switched to the ride. I've seen drummers where they'll just play the hi-hat the whole time through a song. Right. You know, and it's like, I would say, sit and really listen to where they're, you know, what they're switching to and uh, just try to find, you know, I mean, the, you know, YouTube stuff, but the music videos and just pay. I mean, I, I was, my eyes were glued to the drummer and all, all those eighties. I mean, I would constantly change my drum set all the time. I mean, my dad would make comments to me. He goes, you need to just set them up once and play them. And I'm like, <laughs> just seen Tommy Lee and that drum set was cool. And and then I, you know, I'll see another video, you know, and then I, I would want to set my drums up because I wanted to be that drummer in that band playing on that drummer's drum set. And, but I'm not so much, you know, I mean, with the YouTube, I mean, I'm not dissing YouTube at all by any means. I sit there and I watch some of this, you know, that stuff. And I mean, my, you know, it's cool but it's the, the whole music video vibe isn't there as much as it used to be back, you know, obviously in the MTV days. And that would be the first thing is just, just sit and listen, uh, pick out when that drummer is, find out where he's going, you know, from the hi-hat to the ride or, or, you know, uh, picking up the pills when they're doing, you know, it's not always just run around the toms, kind of stuff. I mean, that's, but that's me. It's kind of hard to you know, tell someone to, you know, watch music videos nowadays because a lot of times, I mean, now you see them and they're all animated. You know, there's a lot that's, they're either lyric videos or they're animated, you know, videos because it's, I'm assuming it's just cheaper to do it that way than, you know, you know, of course we don't have the band, those bands don't have the budgets like they did in the late eighties and early nineties, but it just sit and listen, pay attention to the drummer is what I would say. And then second, don't beat the crap out of them. <laughs> just, you know, pay attention to uh, the volume that you're playing and not over being overbearing to, you know, if you're, pl if you're playing, you know, with a group, you know, I mean, I did it, 
and now you know uh, usually a biggest the big one of the biggest compliments I'll get is when someone says beat the crap out of me you don't play loud and it's like thanks because it's like I learned <laughs> you know I mean yeah you know Tommy Lee's up there beating the crap out of his drums but he's not playing in a small little bar so he's you know you know, it's two different, you know, two totally different situations. But I went through my phase learning and uh, just beating the crap out of my drums and cymbals and not paying any attention to the volume I was playing at. Um, so one last question and then I'll, and then I'll let you go. Um, and I just, I heard this question on another podcast. And so I, I really wanted to steal it for this podcast if you could go back in time and play on one record at any point in time, what would it be? If I could be the drummer? Right. Oh. The first, I mean, uh, there'd be so, if I, I'd sit there and be thinking, 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 but it would probably be Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue. Okay. I I had had that. I mean, that was my that was my first go to. Probably what I thought at the time I was playing on my uh, bunk bed, and every literally every day at lunch I'd come home. Parents, you know, we were able to walk home uh, to school and have our lunch, and, and come home. I'd play. You know, pop in Wild Side. Wild Side was just something about that song. I thought it was, I mean, listening to it now, I mean, and it's not that it's not tech, but it's just the whole, it's just four on the floor, just a solid, you know, just a solid beat. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was, I thought, you know, if I was playing, I was able to play along with that. I just thought that was the coolest thing. And, uh, but that would, I, that would probably be it. I would love, you know, just, uh, if it's their, their greatest album, I don't, you know, that's debatable, but, uh, but that would probably, if I could go back, cause I would, and it's funny you say that, cause I was wondering that just not that long ago, I'm like, you know, if I was able to record, re-record, you know, be one of those bands that, you know, of course I'm, when a band says they're going to put out covers album nowadays, I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, but I'm like, if the shoe was on my foot, what would I do? What song? And, but I would probably say it'd be probably be that girls, girls, girls was, you know, was it for me? I mean, just the whole image and everything that they had. And I, you know, I don't think he got to his peak yet, but that I, in my eyes, that was pretty much, uh, you know, Tommy at his, you know, at his finest for me. And, uh, because it, they were just all over MTV. I mean, but that I, I have a laminated uh, in my drum shed. I have a laminated ad of of that uh, spinning drum set, and uh, I don't. I think it came out of probably a Metal Edge magazine or something. And I've had that ever since high school, and and I got it laminated, and that's so that that would be it. I mean, there's so many, but that's. <laughs> As soon as you said it, it just girls, 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 wild side, you know, came in and, and, uh, it just, that every, that, that break when it goes into the, uh, you know, after the solo, it's what I, at the time I thought that was a drum solo. The little did I know what the hell a drum solo really was, <laughs> but I was just like, when it broke after the, you know, after that solo and then it was just drums, I'm just like, that's, you know, that's it there. That's, that's cool. So that would girls, girls, girls would be it. Awesome. I think, yeah, and, and go ahead. I think there's a fellow uh, CP artist, uh, Michael Mayenza, that he would dig. You know, he would dig that comment because uh, I don't know him personally, but through through uh, creative percussion, it's led to a lot of online. You know. Uh, camaraderie and being able to hit up these guys and I've spoke with him online you know a few times with messages and he's a big you know he came from that era too I mean he was doing it while I was watching it I think I mean 
and uh, but it's obvious in his drum sets too when you know when he posts his pictures. But uh, I think I dig dig that record too. Him, I'd like to know what his what his would be, what he would uh, go back and record. Yeah, that would be neat to hear. I'll have to I'll have to see about getting him on the podcast uh, coming up. <clears throat> so I know I said I, I know I just said I was this, that was going to be the last question, but good, dude. Um, <laughs> when you uh, when you said that about um, gear just a few minutes ago, it reminded me. So um, talk about your gear because this is, of course, the Creative Percussion Podcast. But of course, drummers are going to listen to it. So. Uh, what gear are you using as far as drums, cymbals, sticks, stuff like that? Drums, I just about three weeks, I think I'm on three weeks. I just purchased a brand new Ludwig Classic Maple. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, blue, uh, blue Oyster Pearl. And I'm loving that right now. I, I'm a big Ludwig guy, but I'm not just... I, I, I'm a, I consider, I collect drums, so it doesn't, I don't give two craps if it's a super high-end, uh, fancy, you know, expensive kit, if it's a cheapy. In my rock band, uh, played a really cheap drum kit that I tore, tore down and redone it in, in my version of refurbishing a, a drum set. Gave a new paint job, put new heads on it, and uh, some people wouldn't have any idea. And the but the advantage I get is I'm not mic'd up, so I mean, right. can tell a difference. You know, if you're playing in, on big stages with big sound, you know, good sound man and stuff. But uh, I'm just playing in little dive bars now. I'm not doing the big stage stuff, and uh, so it's just it's just us, you know and maybe some vocal mics in that, but I'm a big Ludwig guy. I have a big collection of kits, everything from fortunate enough to have, still have my first drum kit that my dad got me for my eighth grade graduation present. I, uh, even my high school, where when I graduated, I ended up with that drum kit. Right. Uh, and I, I have a habit of not really selling mint, you know, I acquire, but I don't uh, sell a lot. So I have a drum set full, but my favorites are Ludwig and I have a couple Slingerland uh, vintage Slingerland kits and symbols. Uh, I played one brand for many years. I mean, ever since I was able to buy a symbol, I was Zildjian and, uh, but I'm a sentient guy now <clears throat> just because of forums. I mean, talking, I mean, it led creative percussion led basically, you know, once I got on with Kevin and then seeing Kevin's friends and then getting requests, you know, from friends of his and then sending out re- requests. Uh, I'm a big, you know, I've got like, I think I'm, I'm starting my fourth set of sentient symbols just me and my best friend went to the Chicago drum show just a few weeks back and I picked up three more of their spark series. I was playing, I play their emperor line and only because I just started hearing a lot of people talk about sentient and I'm like, well, there's nothing wrong with what I play, but I'm like, I'm curious. So, you know, jump on it. And they, I mean, with this, with the, uh, the product that, Arthur Scott, you just, I mean, you, you can't beat it. I mean, when I would go to my, you know, what I would pay for a pair of Zildjian's, I could get twice as many symbols, but the quality is still there. So, I mean, right. I mean, and I'm not going to, you know, it's not a bag on, you know, because I still have my Zildjian's. I have a crap ton of them. And, but... I just decided to see what this, you know, what the hubbub was about and haven't looked back and I don't plan to go, I don't plan to switch back to the Zildjian's because it's like, if I, whatever I want, Arthur and, you know, all I got to do is ask him, Hey, 
can you do this? And he'll put the word in and he makes it happen. But then from Sentent, it uh, led to uh, no nuts, simple sleeves, mm-hmm. Mr. Bill. And uh, I, I, you know, started using his product and it just, everything, everything started with creative percussion because uh, on all these, I never, and I don't say small company uh, as a negative thing, but all, you know, I mean, I still have my local favorite music shop and I shop there and uh, cause that's just where I've just, you know, I bought a couple drum sets from my buddy Doug and his local shop, but these other smaller companies uh, you know, like no nuts, you know, started, tried them out. Now they're on every single stand that I've got practically. Uh, and then with no nuts, like, uh, or then watching videos of, from Chris and, and Joe, uh, I'll hit those guys up and I'm like, Hey, what is it that you, what are you playing or using in that video of yours? And so there it led, it's led to big fat snare drums. Mm-hmm. That that's got some, you know, uh, there's some cool stuff there. And it's like that seventies, you know, they are, when they say, if you want that seventies fat snare drum sound, they, they line, that's the old, and I haven't, I see a lot of, you know, like Joe, is it, uh, again, with the last names, since I don't hear him, I've been naughty. Yeah. He's me. He, he'll be a, the next guest on the second yeah, episode. Cool. Cause then yeah. as boy boys say, Oh, to Joe, because, uh, <laughs> Him and Chris, him, Chris, and Michael, just watching them because they're so out there. I mean, right. they're, I mean, I don't have, I'm not, if it's not on my uh, iPhone, when we were gigging, I got into where I was posting and trying to post a lot of videos, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, uh, me and the, you know, whatever, you know, the sentence, my, all my creative percussion stuff. And I uh, but I would have to say that those three guys there are, you know, well, one, they're really cool guys. So I'm like, Hey, I've hit them up. What, are, what is that you have in that video? <clears throat> and so that's, it's led to, uh, you know, the no nuts. Cause I believe, I forget who was the first sentence, but it, it was, I mean, I know Chris, well, I know all three of them were using it, but then the no nuts might've came from, Michael Anza and so then I did you know check them out and, you know and made an order the then there's the a small uh oh what a uh I think it's I think they're called drum G's it's these little attached stringers that you can put on the edges of your uh uh of like the shells the rims your center rims uh you know forget which Chris or, or Joe, one of them two, they had something. I'm like, what, what are you using there? And they told, you know, whichever one it was I asked, they, they said it's, you know, drum gee, G's or geese. I don't exactly know how they, you know, how it's pronounced, but you can set, you know, string them up on each side of your snare drum or floor tom or whatever. And it'll just hold whatever you want on it. I use a, you know, a, use it to use, use it like a, uh, external muffler. And I think it was Chris cause he had something, I think it was Chris is the one I asked and he told me about it because he had something on the inside of his, on the backside of his kick. And I'm like, what is it you have strapped? You know, how do you got that strapped? And then he said, and, uh, and then just recently, uh, and this was because of Arthur stone is from, uh, Sentent, uh, I think it's Mika Doring. I just got, he calls them the in blocks. And uh, I just got a custom one from him that uh, had a, uh, you know, he, he liked my inscription that I requested on it. I asked him, I said, you wouldn't mind putting screw your cowbell on it, would it? <laughs> and he said, no, he said, I love it actually. And uh, uh, 
I just, it's just something that, you know, it is anyone, if you're, if you're a gigging drummer and just the bar band stuff, it's like, you should, you should understand it. And no, I don't like that Saturday Night Live skit either. It's, <laughs> it's you know, that, you know, for me, it's like, yeah, oh God, you had to, you had to say that. So yeah, every person that's had a little bit too much, you know, <laughs> cool and they got to say that so it's like it's the same as uh, you know, I'm sh- sure the guitar players or the just the bands in general that get the play free bird oh yeah especially in Alabama sweet home Alabama yeah. into free bird <laughs> <laughs> love the song hate to play it I, yes you know, and uh, <laughs> that was one of that was that was a staple in one of my bands it's like we had to play and it's just like oh come on there's you know there is Saturday night special. There's, there's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, come on, really? <laughs> yeah. Even simple man gets old sometimes. Yeah. Well, that one I haven't. So I wouldn't mind playing that one if it got asked because I, it was always three steps and, mm-hmm. you know, in sweet home. And I'm just like, all right, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not your classic, you know, there's more to it than classic rock radio stations that will play the same, you know, 30, 50 songs in a day. You know, it's like, you know, fans have a lot of other great songs. So it's like, let's play those. But again, you know, if that's the type of band you, you know, I guess you got to play the songs that they want to hear. If, you know, right. if that's the band you're forming, you know, that you're playing, you know, I guess, you know, that's what you got to do, but that's why I don't anymore. I was like, no, my drum heads, they just, I like Aquarian quite a bit. So, but, uh, but I'm not, you know, I'm not other than right now, other than creative percussion and send tent, I'm pretty much good with, you know, I'll try whatever. I don't, I'm not going to knock another company or anything like that. It's just, I, I like it all. And I don't want, I wouldn't want someone else telling me that you can't speak of the other, you know, and only, I guess I'd be the whole, you know, endorsement thing. I, yeah. I can give two crap, you know, two craps about, you know, having to go through all, you know, from what I've read and stuff, it, it, you get on certain, certain forums or, you know, pages and you throw up the endorsement comment. <laughs> It gets we get some interesting comments on that. Yeah, there are benefits to it, and there are and there's pros and cons, just like with everything. You know, I um, some people I currently have it backwards. What's that? They get it backwards. It's mm-hmm. not them endorsing you. You know, you as the you know the drummer or whatever. It's you know. <laughs> it's you endorsing the product, you know, right. so, and it's, you know, but again, that's just, that's me. I, you know, I like to play what I want to play and, you know, I will endorse it. And, you know, if someone asks me, he'll give me a suggestion. Hey, here's what I, you know, here's what I do. I endorse that product. Not, you know, it's not the other way around. Yeah, and for so long, even, you know, me included, I, I chased endorsements because, hey, this is going to make me, you know, and different things like that. I think that's what a lot of people think. Um, you know, for me, a few years ago, I was a I was a Vader artist, you know, and which was like, holy crap, how did I, you know, one of the top four, you know, big four, but... I wound up, I found out, you know, Hey, I'm a big fish or I'm a small fish in a big pond, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I stepped away from that. I was such a small fish in a big pond that I'm still on their website, which is crazy. <laughs> uh, and I've been playing and endorsing, uh, lost Campbell's drumsticks for two years now and actually love them. I've been hearing about them and seeing, cause I believe I could be wrong. Patrick from junkyard. And he's another, well, he's another guy I follow a lot. Uh, and he's a sentient, you know, guy as well. But I think he does them a lot. You know, I think he plugs them a lot. Indoor, I think, 
not 100%, but I know I've heard been hearing that name a lot. And yeah. then I think there's, an, there's another one. I'm, I, I use Mike Portnoy Promarks, mm-hmm. and I haven't looked back. I wasn't a guy that was big on buying the signature, so-called signature series, only because I was playing death metal, you know, and, you know, at the time, you know, paying for 12, 13 bucks for a pair of sticks. Yeah. When, when I didn't realize if I was, would have just paid that, I wouldn't have had to buy so many cheap sticks. Right. You know, at the get-go. Uh, but then I was, I'd watched a, uh, uh, Todd Zuckerman, you know, uh, uh, he, he was local or he came by and did a you know, presentation. I've seen a couple of his where he's came through Springfield cause he's friend of the guy that, uh, uh, the music shop from, uh, Springfield, Illinois. He's a friend of Bugs that runs it. And he's, you know, I was watching him and he, he explained it. And then once it was kind of explained, you know, you know, I mean, now I don't use his sticks because his are bigger and, you know, and I just I want a smaller, you know, lighter stick. But so that I just, you know, and Mike Portnoy is one of my, you know, all-time favorites as well. And uh, mm-hmm. I just, I think I just tried them once. And ever since then, I mean, when you can, uh, I mean, granted, you got to know how to play. I mean, I, I learned over the years, I'm not, you know, beating the crap i mean i watch how i hit my symbols i don't uh, you know i'm not hitting them in anger anymore you know and uh so it's like there's a finesse you know a way to hit the symbols not just you know edge on edge you know and stuff so but i did i started using those port noise sticks and haven't looked back since and i mean if they're 15 bucks a pair to me it's still worth it because i can go you know, several months, I can go three to four months, you know, on the same pair of sticks, you know, uh, and really the only thing that may chew them up is my hi-hats, depending on if I'm feeling like having a higher level set or if I'm in the mood to lower my hi-hats. I'm one of the guys that, for some reason, I can't play the same setup twice. (laughs) I always have to change something up usually.